Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's that time for the Jack Riccardi Show. All right, Christian, good afternoon. And it's been a, obviously a big day for this story about the submersible. Yeah. Uh, the, the news that I think we've been expecting uh, and hoping not to have. Yeah. Um, and and so now I guess uh, the latest is that they have spotted several pieces of wreckage. Is that right? Yeah, I, I'm I'm getting different stories on this or different accounts of it. But my understanding is they're finding a debris field mm-hmm. that's inconsistent with what you would expect there for the last century mm-hmm. plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I think they're pointing to is is a, a catastrophic loss of pressure for whatever reason. I'm sure we don't mm-hmm. know that yet. Right. Um, but there was some kind of failure. It looks like this was probably over uh, a few days ago, perhaps, or, or quite a few hours ago. Uh, but um, you're still getting there's so much information on this, Jack. And, you know, without anybody being able to go down and check it right. out. Right. Uh, I think there's a lot more that we're going to learn, but definitely not the not the ending that uh, that we were hoping for. I think I heard that the search area was about the size of New England. Yes. Which that's... is a huge area to find a tiny little craft like that. I read a quote from uh, one of the Coast Guard officials today saying it's not like finding a needle in a haystack, but this is yeah. like finding a needle in the haystack in the dark. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, yeah. there's no yeah. light. So yeah. very complicated, and uh, yeah, I think much more to come, but um, I think the, uh, the, the bad news is pretty clear. I wonder if the no, the the banging or knocking noises that we were reporting a couple of days ago was not the people in there, but the breaking up of the submersible. Yeah, they're speculating that this might have been when some type of collapse happened. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm here seeing a couple different things on this, so I don't know that they know that for sure, but that could very well be what it was. Yeah. Well, we're going to keep on top of this. Yep. Uh, this is a developing story on KTSA. And tonight is the NBA draft uh, in which the San Antonio Spurs will begin uh, their rebuild with the number one draft choice. We're going to talk about that. Maybe listen into that when that uh, when that happens tonight. I think that will start in our six o'clock hour. So we'll be able to keep you on top of that. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. In fact, regarding the submersible, uh, we'll be joined here in about uh, 25 minutes by a good guest who is a former Navy SEAL, uh, trained Navy diver, actually was a coach at Incarnate Word at one point, and uh, he's going to join the show in about 25 minutes here on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. So good afternoon and welcome. You know, I was saying yesterday that the the, the now deceased five people on board the uh, Ocean Gate submersible uh, were not, strictly speaking, explorers because we had already found the world knew where the Titanic wreckage was. Um, they were not down there breaking barriers of discovery or science. They were, they were, they were touring it. They were, they were looking. I mean, if I visit a cave, I didn't discover the cave, right? They were, they were visiting um, and touring the site. And it's amazing to me all the different ways this is being categorized. Like I heard somebody say on one of the channels today. 
that these are five more victims of the Titanic sinking. Now, where where would you get that? The Titanic sank in 1912. None of these people were alive, much less on board. Their Their deaths were not related to the sinking of the Titanic, other than that they were touring the wreckage of it. But, I mean, that just seems like a weird thing to say. Uh, and, and then you have people saying, well, um, on the other side of it, you have people saying, well, um, I don't know why we, these are billionaires and millionaires, and they signed uh, release forms, and I don't know why we had to go to all this trouble. Well, because they're human beings. You know, I mean, it, it, we can have a discussion about who should assume the risk, but, I mean, they are human beings. We don't just say, well, you know, T.S., uh, you, you you took a you took a uh, an excursion, uh, and you chose to do it, and you're rich, so now we don't care. Um, the, I think one of the problems with this story, frankly, is it probably should just be covered as news, and not debated. And the and the problem with cable news these days, unfortunately, is that everything has to be a debate and a panel and a you know, and, and then you have people trying to you know connect it. Uh, up to current events and and make it about things that it had nothing uh, to do with. These are human beings, and human beings are dead. And we've all been diminished by that. And it doesn't matter who they were in life or what their beliefs were or what they paid to be on that thing. Um, A couple of points, though, that that are interesting to me. We talked about this yesterday. The, 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 The guy that started this company and was on that uh, craft, uh, had said in interviews that he built it the way he did because regulation was so oppressive and onerous that it would have taken years otherwise. So they they built something uh, that was a risk by definition. And he was making the point that regulation stifles innovation. And that is something we, we should never let go of and, and is worth discussing. That is something that I think is worth discussing. At what point do regulations, instead of protecting people, drive people uh, away from safety or into uh, you know, risk-taking? I think the people on there, from what we've heard, signed releases, at least previous passengers on previous voyages, this we do know, uh, signed releases uh, saying they knew, they understood the risks and they might not make it back, and this was worth it to them because they could see the wreckage of the Titanic up close and, and have that story to tell. So let's assume they were well aware of the safety risks and had been informed and they had signed uh, consent forms for it. Then the question would be, if you take massive risks and you know you're taking them, uh, should you expect a publicly funded effort to bail you out. I mean, we do rescue people from private craft that run into storms or bad weather or are poorly navigated. Uh, we don't sit back and go, well, you you chose to go on a cruise or you chose to get on that plane or that ship or whatever it is. Maybe the argument would be in the future that, look, if you're going to do something that's outside the, the realm of regulation, because obviously passenger vessels and passenger aircraft are regulated by government, right? So the government is essentially, when they let a plane fly, when they let a ship sail, they're saying, we checked it out, uh, it passes. This thing didn't do that. This thing didn't go through that. 
So maybe in this instance, this is where you draw the line and say, well, um, you're collecting those $200,000 tickets. You're going to need to have a, a privately funded uh, rescue contingency or effort if that happens. Um, or, or you could say, well, look, if you go out in this thing, which we didn't approve, we will bill the company for the search and rescue efforts. I, I, I guess I understand that. Um, but again, all of this kind of, it, it just, it leads people to make bad choices and try to connect the deaths of these people, which is simply a tragedy, uh, and, and nothing more into these other political causes. There's a guy named Ellie Mistel, who you may have seen on MSNBC if you ever watch MSNBC. Um, he's, he's a pretty flamboyant character. He is the justice correspondent for The Nation magazine. He's a lawyer. And he tweeted um, yesterday afternoon, the next time some rich white person wants to take Sam Alito on an expensive trip, please take him to see the Titanic. So Ellie Mistel doesn't like Sam Alito because Sam Alito is a conservative on the United States Supreme Court, and I guess therefore he should drown. I guess rather than debate him, argue with him, uh, publish critical comments about his opinions, he just needs to die. And this is a mark of, of many, not all, but many on the left these days. If they can't get you through persuasion, then the alternative is you should die. Or at least that your death would be no no biggie. I mean, remember all the fanboying around the mobs, around the Supreme Court justices' houses. Or uh, remember uh, the cavalier attitude toward enforcing federal law but protecting Supreme Court justices that we got from not just fringe people, but people like Chuck Schumer and Merrick Garland. Or I remember years ago there was a commentator, Julianne Malveau, who publicly expressed the wish that Clarence Thomas's wife would, quote, Feed him lots of eggs and butter so he dies early like many black men do of heart disease. That's what she said. It's not enough to disagree. He needs to die. Did you ever Did you ever uh, wish and hope for the death of a liberal Supreme Court justice? I can honestly say I never did. I'm not a great person. I'm not a, I'm not a saint. But that's the difference between them and us. Uh, we got the news today that Will Hurd is going to run for president. Not really surprised by this. He went on a book tour last year. Uh, he wrote a book, um, and usually when politicians <laughs> write a book, it was called American Reboot, an idealist guide for getting big things done. Uh, usually when politicians, especially kind of obscure ones, or f- people with former in front of their titles write a book, the next thing that's going to happen is they're going to run for president. So Will Hurd becomes the latest Republican presidential candidate. What do you think about that? Of course, he he represented parts of San Antonio and down to the border uh, for two terms in the U.S. House of Representatives, uh, formerly a CIA uh, officer, uh, didn't run in 2020, and broke with Donald Trump uh, publicly on this show and in other places. Although, when people look at his voting record, he actually voted for almost everything that uh, Trump, you know, put out. Um, he he's not an impressive guy. We've had him on this show many times. I, I don't I don't dislike him, uh, but he's not an impressive guy. And one of the things I was thinking about today is that when you join a field of this many candidates, and you are a, an obscure former two term congressman, um, 
That doesn't mean you can't run. Anybody can run. I can run. You can run. But the, the further back you're starting from, the bigger your idea has to be. The bigger your vision has to be. You've got to have some phenomenal idea that when people hear what you're about, when you give them that elevator pitch, they are blown away. Like, where has this guy been? That's what has to happen when you're the 12th person or whatever it is running. And he doesn't have anything like that. He just talks about how we need to be nicer to one another and our neighbors are not our enemies, he says. Uh, They're just our fellow Americans who happen to have a disagreement with. You know, that is true of our neighbors. <laughs> but with people, the people you and I are disagreeing with or who are disagreeing with us are not just nice people. Um, they're hate-filled people. They're people that if you disagree with them want to drop you into the middle of the ocean. I mean, I don't know if he's been asleep for the last few years, but the, the, the America he's describing, if we still had that America and he really believed we still did, he wouldn't have to run for president. And so the problem I have with Will Hurd is not the, the, the way he broke with Trump, because like I said, that's an aesthetic thing. He voted with Trump on almost everything. He didn't like the wall. I remember we would have him on, and he was, he was like, I, I'm, I'm strong on the border, but the wall's a bad idea. And, and, and you know, it was almost as if, because he disagreed on the wall, the whole concept fell apart. Like, well, if, if, you, if you're going to do the wall, then forget it. I'm not with you. And, and, and that made no sense to me. Um, we need all hands on deck. We need all, all the tools in the enforcement of and the reclamation of that, of that border. It just seems very silly to me uh, for Republicans to run against each other over, over these kinds of details or, or over these kinds of platitudes. Like, oh, we... We just have to recognize that uh, we're, we're all one people, or uh, you know, it's it, it's like he's it's like he's a substitute teacher in a so, social studies class. I mean, it's just platitudes and time filling, you know, patter. And I mean, again, what do you bring to this field of people? And whether you think it's a quality field of people or not, it's a quantity field, that's for sure. What what do you got? Now, maybe he's doing this for the very reason that he knows he won't make it or even get close, but if you come out as a quote-unquote reasonable Republican, usually the next thing that happens is you get a gig with like MSNBC or CNN. Is that what Will Hurt is really doing here? Is this really sort of like the book and the, you know, what will probably be the brief candidacy? Is that, is that like an audition tape? For CNN? I mean, I can't help. Maybe I'm too cynical. Tell me if I am. That's just how it looks. Um, and, and again, when I hear people declare as Republicans or conservatives, and when they start diagnosing what's wrong with the country, it's Trump, you kind of you, you lose me. You don't kind of lose me. You lose me. The problem with the country is the left, is, is Biden, Team Biden. Not Biden personally, but Team Biden. That's the problem. That's what you're running against, whether you know it or not. Now, you can say that Trump isn't the right guy or the right vessel for that battle, and you may be right. But when I hear people come out and start their candidacy with, well, we can't uh, have Trump, and Trump's the reason, and Trump's the cause of our... No. No. That's not it. Already, with your first pitch of the game, 
You've missed home plate. All right, tell me what you think. We've got a lot on the table here. 210-599-5555. The latest on the submersible, and we'll talk to a former Navy SEAL about it, coming up on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Hey, it's Trey Ware. Tomorrow morning at 5, we'll have all the news, weather, traffic, sports, and a good time, too, on 550 KTSA and FM 1071. You see the curtains hanging in the window in the evening on a Friday night. All right, 426, San Antonio's News Talk Station, 550-1071, KTSA. So do you want Will Hurd to run for president? Are you planning on voting for him in the Republican primaries if he's still in them by the time you vote? How do you feel about Will Hurd? 210 599-5555, and that's our River City Oral Surgery JR poll today. You know, I always have to say, when, when a local politician runs for president, be prepared for anything, because when you know the person and you've had a lot of time and experience with the person, they get smaller and smaller in your eyes. Like, like any politician that's been in office here locally is going to look very different to us versus when they just burst onto the national scene. So at first blush, people that never heard of him, other states, other parts of the country, it may, it may be that he makes a great impression. Maybe, maybe, maybe he does much better than we think he will. Uh, and I've seen this before. I know when I lived in Massachusetts and the governor up there, Michael Dukakis, ran for president. Everybody laughed. And he went all the way to the Democratic nomination in 1988. So we'll talk about Will Hurd. Uh, we'll talk about the submersible. We've got a former Navy SEAL coming up here in a few minutes. 210-599-5555. The Attorney General of Connecticut held a news conference this week um, announcing that because so many people are stealing Hyundai and Kia vehicles, not only in his state but around the country, his office the Attorney General's office, is going to investigate Hyundai and Kia. Here is some of what he said. His name is Will Tong, William Tong, the Attorney General of Connecticut. Listen to this. We asked Kia and Hyundai to step forward and do the right thing. And they did some things, but whatever they're doing is not enough. This has resulted in major property damage, major public public safety risks and hazards, and, and people have gotten hurt, people have gotten killed. I'm sorry, I must be losing my mind. If people are stealing cars, isn't that the fault of, bear with me, the people stealing cars? Like, I understand the technical thing about, for some reason, Hyundais and Kias are less secure. But since when did politicians start blaming the people who make the product that's being stolen? Your job as attorney general is to prosecute people who steal, not to say what they're stealing isn't made to your specifications. So, I, I, again, I get it about Hyundai and Kia, and it might be a reason for you and I as a consumer to, to hesitate before we buy one, although I happen to like those cars. But, I mean, maybe you wouldn't want to buy one if you thought they were easier to steal. That's one thing. Do you, do you realize how upside down things are? 
that when people are stealing, we're looking at what they're stealing rather than who's stealing it. Now, it's a great headline maker. I mean, this guy got into the national news. He's a nobody. And he looked very proud of himself. He's just preening and smiling. He's having his moment on national television. He was on NPR, which to a Democrat is orgasmic. But think for a minute about where we're at. Defund the police. Decriminalize theft. Make excuses for people who steal. Link it up to social justice. Well, yeah, they're stealing, but they've been oppressed. And, and then you turn on the car company. And well, we're going to investigate them. I think you're missing something. What about the people that are stealing them? He also said, I didn't play this part, He somewhere else he said that um, he was shocked to find out that people were using the club to secure their Hyundai and Kia cars in Connecticut. You remember the, pl- the, the club? Do you remember that? It was that metal uh, rod thing that you would... I never had one. I, I, I guess you, you put it on the steering wheel and you positioned it or you twisted it, and then you locked it with a key, I think, and it was an immobilizer. It immobilized the car. They could still get into the car. They could still start the car, but they couldn't drive the car because you had the, the, the club on the steering wheel. And he said something snarky like what is this 1991 (laughs) what is this 1991 well you know what dude it is 1991 because um you democrats are turning back the clock on crime uh on um people feeling safe in their communities so yeah i guess it is i i guess rather than laughing about the club uh you should be doing your job and then we wouldn't need the club, and you wouldn't need your headline-seeking, NPR affirmation-seeking lawsuit or investigation of Hyundai. We're going to talk about that. 210-599-5555. Another update on KTSA Time Saver Traffic. And, you know, John the Greek is, you talk about the great American dream. John the Greek is the great American dream. I mean, it's also a restaurant, but John's parents, John Valensis' parents, came to this country in the 1980s, like so many millions of people did, in search of an opportunity to make it, to have a better life, to have their own uh, you know, business, and they did. They started a, a Greek restaurant, and it was in a few different locations over the years. And oh, John grew up working with his parents, and he watched them take care of people and cook the family recipes, and that's what he does now at their location at 281 and Thousand Oaks. So there's a lot of Greek and Mediterranean restaurants in town, in fact, more and more all the time. But if you want to dine on delicious, authentic Greek cuisine and enjoy the realization of the American dream, I I think this is a unique place. I think this is a very special place. And they're open for lunch and dinner Monday through Saturday. Again, the northeast corner of 281 and Thousand Oaks for John the Greek. The only woman who's going to listen to you. Tell your smart speaker to stream KTSA. This is News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. KTSA News Time is 437, Jack Riccardi, 550-1071, KTSA. The developing story of the afternoon is the United States Coast Guard announcing that the passengers have been lost and wreckage appears to have been found from the submersible that was touring the site of the sinking of the Titanic. This vessel left on Sunday 
and was uh, they lost contact with it. Uh, the oxygen supply estimated would have run out, we think, early this morning. But even before early this morning, this craft may have broken up. Our next guest with some insight into this, uh, Jake Zweig, is a former Navy SEAL and trained Navy diver. Uh, also, at one time, a Incarnate Word uh, football coach. And he's on our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line. Jake Zweig, good to have you with us. Good afternoon to you. Okay, hang on here. Let me just bring him up. Hey, can hear can you hear me or can you can you hear me, Jake Swag? Nope. Okay, we're gonna try to make that connection um and and bring him into this conversation. We've been asking you, uh we've been talking about that, obviously. We've been asking you on the uh, JR poll about uh, Will Hurd running for president. Uh would you vote for him? Would you consider voting for Will Hurd? Mary says, writing to Jack at KTSA.com, heck no. No record of any accomplishments in Texas. Pure lack of personality, sincerity, no substantial plan. He cannot run on a hate for Trump plan, writes Mary. Um, so we're going to get reactions and votes on that today's JR poll as well. Let me try again here just to bring uh, Jake Zweig into the conversation. Uh, Jake, can you hear us? Yes, I can. How you doing, Jack? Good, thank you. It's good to have you with us, and I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man these days. Um, Obviously, you've heard the news. We've all heard about uh, what the Coast Guard is saying, what appears to have happened uh, to that submersible vessel. What are your What are your first thoughts with the news today that the passengers are gone and the debris has been found? Well, I just wanted to send my condolences out to the family. You know, mm-hmm. we lost five individuals in this submarine accident. And, I mean, at the end of the day, However it happened, whatever happened, you know, there's five grieving families out there. So mm. just want to send my condolences out to them. I, I heard you on another interview say that you, you had some real concerns about the the design or the apparent durability of this craft. Um, I mean, you're, you're obviously you're somebody that's not afraid uh, of the depths. So what is it that concerns you from what you were able to see of it? So... The basic instruction of a deep sea submersible normally surrounds a spear. And the reason they do a spear in titanium is because the, the, the spear is able to shrink and constrict like on the same, like it's like an egg, right? Like it's hard to break an egg if you squeeze it evenly. They had a long cylinder like a cigar. Mm-hmm. So if you press it on the sides of a cigar, it goes in, right? Mm-hmm. And there's no structural – the structure itself isn't getting compressed equally, and therefore you have a bunch of points of failure. When mm-hmm. I saw the inside of the, the tube that they were in, the structure that they were in, they made the outside look really good, but I was really concerned about the simple design aspects of it being a long cylinder, and when mm-hmm. you look at the Ar- the Arvin, which is the deep-sea submersible, it's built around a titanium spear. Mm-hmm. And so to me, if you're trying to go deep and you don't have a spear, then you're trying to play around with something that's really dangerous. Yeah. I mean, the U.S. Navy, the, the, the Russian Navy, I mean, major world powers occasionally lose submarines at great depths and as you point out th- those are those are vessels that are triple built for safety and for structural integrity 
Uh, this looked like it had a lot of kind of consumer materials on it. It was being piloted by a video game controller. It's kind of it's kind of stunning to me that it that it lasted as long as it did. So that was one of the other things I I, I, I dug into it a little bit. It's done fifty dives, yeah. And on on out of fifty dives, six of them had major problems. And so that to me was concerning, right? Like we're gonna do fifty. 50 dies and six of them are messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You're talking about the consumer products. I mean, all you got to do is look in the thing, look in the tube, and they got uh, LED lights that you buy at yeah. Lowe's in there for lighting inside the tube. Now, yeah, the thing that PVC was pipes, to yeah. me, yep, when you look, when they had a, saw a picture where they removed the rear panel where they had some control stuff, and it looked to me like they had regular old fittings from Home Depot in there. Yeah. Now, I'm just saying this, even for a submarine to go down to 50 feet, I wouldn't have any of those components in there. But they were talking about, I mean, they were at 390 times current pressure on the surface, 390 times. And then the other thing that was just absolutely alarming to me, Jack, they said that it was rated to 4,000 meters. But they wouldn't let anybody inspect or test the sub, okay? Well, then, what were you doing at 3,800 meters? Mm-hmm. They were down at 3,800 meters with 200 meters of buffer for failure. Mm-hmm. I don't know any engineer in the country that's going to allow you to get that close to the perceived structural limits of a craft. Yeah. Well, I know the CEO of that company was pretty candid in saying the reason they didn't want to go through regulations or be regulated was because they felt like it would take years to pass all the tests, get all the certifications. So they, they intentionally avoided that made people sign waivers, uh, where they were supposedly acknowledging all these risks you're describing to us. Do you, do you think the people who were signing those waivers could have really understood what they were signing? So it's interesting. You say that there was a lawyer, who put his money down to go on the boat, and when he had to sign the contract, he immediately said, this can't be safe, because if it was, they wouldn't have me sign this contract the way it's written. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to say this, Jack. The liability that they have right now, like, and, and this is probably a little bit of a cold statement, but if you kill a billionaire and his son, you you pretty much better assume that the wrath of God mm-hmm. legally is coming down on you and yeah. your company. Yeah. I don't care what your contract is. Right? Yeah. Like I don't care what your contract looks like. I don't I don't care how in stone you had it. The wrath of God is coming for you based on some lawyers funded by a billionaire. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a I think you're well within safe saying that and uh I, that was going to be my my final question to you really is do you do you think this will change the future of this kind of tourism? Because it was tourism. They weren't they weren't discovering the Titanic. They were just taking taking a look at it, right? So it's it's, it's interesting that you say it that way, because I've been waiting for one of the the spaceship tourism to have an accident, right? Whether it's Blue Orion or SpaceX, one of the one of the ones that's sending them to space, because. You know, if the United States is going to have an accident like the, the 1994 Challenger accident, it's just a matter of time before space tourism has an accident. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I've been waiting for to see if that kind of changes the sediment. 
But yeah. the other part of it is there's there's always adventurers. Right. I, I, I was talking to my wife about it this morning. Why do people climb Mount Everest when they're going to pass 600 bodies laying there on the side of the, yeah. of the route? No kidding. Yeah. Right? Everybody believes it won't happen to them. Yeah. So, you know, I commend them. You know, I I personally think that going to see the Titanic is kind of like going to see Antietam or Gettysburg or the Battlefield Wilderness. Like you step into that hollow ground and you feel the people that lost their lives there. Right. It's one of those places that, you know, they call it tourism. I don't know. You know, maybe you shouldn't be there. Maybe maybe they got a, a solid, you know, curse wrapped up around the, the Titanic. And this is what happens when you go visit. Yeah. No, it's, it, 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 I mean, it, it is tourism. Uh, it's certainly not, as some people have called it, exploration. Or I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put this in the, and, and this is no disrespect to the deceased people, but this is not the same as being, uh, you know, an Apollo astronaut or being, um, or, or, or even being a passenger in the Titanic, where they obviously were not taking anything that could be described as a great, uh, risk when they uh, when they did it, uh, Jake Zwei, Great to have you. I appreciate you and appreciate your time with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. All right, four forty seven on five fifty and one zero seven one KTSa. So that's the story we're going to keep our eye on and um, talk about. Will Hurd in the news running for president. How about the Attorney General of Connecticut reacting to car theft? by saying we're going to go after the car companies that make the cars that the people are stealing. If nothing, there isn't anything in the news today that says it's 2023. More, more than that story. Get your reaction to it. 210-599-5555 coming up on KTSA. Look, you've had, a, you've had a long day. I know. I can tell. I can see you. No, I can't see you, but I can tell you've had a hard day. And you're probably not relishing the idea of figuring out dinner when you get home. So maybe don't. You know, maybe just let everybody know it's going to be a Julian's night. Make Thursday night a Julian's night or make tonight a Julian's night. And, and let everybody figure out what they want from that Italian menu at julianspizzeria.com. You have choices. You have pizzas. You have subs. You have pasta. You have salads. You have things for the diet conscious. You have things for the 17-year-old boy's appetite that's out of control. They've got it all at Julian's. And then... And then you can order online, julianspizzeria.com, and pick it up at whichever Julian's location is closest to you, West Avenue and Bitters, 1604 and Bulverde Road, or in Alamo Heights, 6462 North New Braunfels Avenue. That's the Sunset Ridge Shopping Center. There's a great, beautiful Julian's Italian pizzeria and kitchen at all of those locations where you can dine in or pick up your order to go from julianspizzeria.com. You're certainly entitled to your opinion. Opinions. My opinions matter. We listen to yours. That's what I like about talk radio. News Talk 550 KTSA. In my opinion, you guys are doing a great job. And FM 1071. KTSA News Time, 452. Jack Riccardi on 550-1071 KTSA. We are underway with our campaign for Operation Interdependence. Now through July 4th, we're collecting items for our troops deployed around the world. We're asking you to donate at KTSA.com or go to KTSA.com and you'll see a list of drop-off locations where you can donate items 
that will go into the care packages Operation Interdependence makes. So either a financial donation right on the website or a way to bring your donations in and make it part of Operation Interdependence. All of our sponsors, our drop-off locations is presented by Kitchen Designs by Giovanni and in part by the Institute for Functional Health, Southwest Metal Roofing Systems, Airtron, Window World, Specs, and River City Rock Tops. So, uh, yeah, the Attorney General of Connecticut is all over the news uh, the last couple of days. He held a news conference announcing that they're going to investigate Hyundai and Kia, which actually I think is one company, but obviously two brands, because of the uh, number of thefts of these vehicles. And it is, in fact, a, a, a thing. You probably have seen it on Facebook or other social media. It's, it's, it's viral that car thieves have found vulnerabilities in certain Hyundai and Kia cars from certain years. I don't think it's the current ones, but uh, there was a period of time when, for design reasons, these cars have become more vulnerable. And so he's investigating. And I can understand a consumer hesitating over a brand that appears vulnerable, Although these are really these are very good cars, in my opinion. So, uh, having said that, but there isn't anything more upside down and backwards than the chief law enforcement officer of a state pretending that the car company is the culprit in car theft. I mean, Democrats will do anything to confront crime as an act of a criminal. Did I say that too fast? Crime is the act of a criminal. When someone steals a car, the person who stole the car is the criminal. And if the Attorney General is interested in this issue, that is his focus, that is his target. Prosecute them, jail them, take them off the streets. But no. We, we, we want to we socialize crime. We want to we redefine crime. We want to say that when people take things, they're addressing systemic racism or structural inequities. We want to defund the police. We have too many, too many police, clearly, with all these cars being stolen. And I, I say this all the time, you, you have to point out to people how crazy this is and make sure they see it and they hear it so they will understand, hey, these aren't just people you disagree with. Th these, these, these liberals are, they're crazy. And they're working against you, literally against the very things you work hard to own and, and, and have and your car. Your car gets stolen. Oh, well, it's because you bought that brand. No. No. And he was joking about how seeing people use the club is like a throwback. Well, the Democratic cities are like throwbacks. Any place that the Democrats are in charge is like a throwback. It really is like going back to the 90s. You're going back to gang violence. You're going back to crime. You're going back to property theft. So maybe that's why people have gone back to the club. 210-599-5555. Five, five, 
I want to talk about the uh, the submersible. We were talking with uh, with Jake Zweig about the um, what do you call it waiver that people were signing, and I started thinking. Are people even reading waivers anymore? I mean, think of all the things you do in the course of a day, a week, a month, where you sign, and usually now it's e-sign, right? Something. And where it says, uh, here are the terms, or read the terms, you just scroll through. Yeah, I know. Okay. Where do I Where do I initial? Where do I click? I mean, I don't, I'll admit it, I don't, I don't read a lot of fine print. I usually don't have time. Um, I mean, if I was doing something like this, I, I, I'm sure I would. But, I mean, when you buy a ticket, there's there's boilerplate legalese on the back of that. When you buy anything, when you buy anything online, when you do, you're, you're doing this all the time. Waivers are all around us. I wonder if people are reading them anymore. Do you read them? We're talking about that, too, coming up after the news. All of that and all the breaking news of the day with Christian here next on KTSA. And this is more of the Jack Riccardi Show. All right, so here's a big question. All right, how can Wemby possibly live up to our hopes for Wemby? That's a... That's a good question. I mean, you realize this is unbelievable what people are expecting is going to happen here. People think we are going to replay 1999 on Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but that's a lot to put on one guy. It is. And what's funny is you go back to when Tim Duncan was drafted. but Did they get one or two years with Duncan and Robinson? I forget. They got um, at least a couple because yeah, I think Robinson yeah. retired on the second championship. You know, they they won the first one in '99. Yeah, and I think he was still playing when they won the second one in 2003. Well, I don't remember. And Tim Duncan was a high-profile draft pick. I remember that distinctly. But you didn't have the hoopla like this, and so the odds would suggest yeah. that. You're not like, like you say it could happen. I mean, I can't wait to see him. Don't get me wrong. But, right. Um, I, just you know, he's he's seven and a half feet tall. Yep. But only weighs forty eight pounds. Mm. And I just, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know about the NBA. I mean, I saw some of the hits the Heat were putting on the Celtics and the Nuggets. I mean, they were they were taking guys down like it was an NFL game in in, in the playoffs. And I'm just thinking, I hope he can withstand that you know well i think it's going to be an adjustment for him uh for sure like you talk about the weight and even though the nba has gotten it's not it's not exactly as physical when you had bill lambeer and uh, what do they call him in detroit i mean it used to be uh those those pistons bulls games when jordan was trying to get over the hump there's some physical basketball even though it's not exactly the same as that today it's still physical. How if you can't block Wimbenyama's shot? What are you going to do? You're going to knock him off. Yep. And so we'll see. Well, <laughs> but you, like you said, these are lofty expectations going on. Well, the other thing, I'm a, I'm a college sports fan, so I, I have a bias, and and maybe I have a blind spot as well. But I tend to feel like I know a little more about a prospect that's come up through uh, the college system because you can, you know, you can kind of like superimpose that guy and his skills and, and his game on like who he played with and who he played against and 
you know, w- was it a, a competitive conference like the Big East or was it, you know, kind of junk time? And I don't know what to make of where he played. Like, I, I from what I've read, um, he took a team from the cellar to the top and led in every offensive category. So that's impressive, but I don't know what that means compared to what we do, you know? Yeah, it's it, this is going to, like I said, it's going to be an adjustment. And what, what makes it even more mysterious and almost fascinating, given the hoopla, is that, I mean, would you agree that 50 to maybe 60% of, of Spurs fans didn't even know who he was right. three months ago? Right. Many did. I mean, a lot of people watching the, the, the tank fest happening in the league for the whole year because this is the guy in the draft. There's, mm-hmm. there's nobody else. It's a one-guy draft for all intents and purposes. But he's playing across the, across the Atlantic. It's not exactly yeah. the SEC. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I think, um, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping he's a success if for no other reason than because the better he does – uh, the less they'll ask Popovich about politics. So let's. <laughs> that's that's here's true. Hoping, uh, right. let's, here's hoping. Here's <laughs> hoping that Wemby can save us from Pop. All right, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. It's less than an hour away. The NBA draft and the San Antonio Spurs have the number one pick, which in itself is a rarity. But also they have this apparently once in a generation guy that they're going to pick. And how excited are you, or unexcited, or turned off, or whatever are you about that? What would the if the Spurs did to go back to what we first talked about with Christian? If the Spurs start a new run of of playoff, deep into the playoffs, and competing for finals, and they become an elite team, and they're they're relevant. Could that make you a, a, a fan of the Spurs again? I know a lot of our listeners. I I don't know. I don't know if I would say most, but I know a lot of our listeners have have cared a lot less about the Spurs in recent years, and it's it's mainly the the Popovich popping off, and and I think it also has something to do with the fact that they've been pretty dreadful. But um, could do do you see yourself maybe getting back to your previous level of fandom, or is is this broken? Is this relationship broken? And uh, Wemby isn't going to. Isn't going to be enough to bring you back. I mean, how do you feel about that? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five, and th- there's a lot wrong with this relationship, right? I mean, people are turned off by the the politics of the NBA, by the uh, obsequious fawning to China of the NBA. Uh, people, some people are turned off by the the uh, the hubris and the the swagger of the players themselves. Although that doesn't bother me, but I know it bothers may bother you. Uh, and then you know. Closer to home, it's it's Popovich, and uh, and what have you, um, but you know, Popovich was the coach through all of those championships, and and through all of that, you know, people downtown honking their horns all night. So could could you get back to that? What do you think? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five NBA draft day is upon us. And I want to talk about waivers, too, um, since that's going to become a thing in the aftermath of the the loss of this Titanic submergible. Do you always read waivers? Do you always read fine print? Do you always read the disclaimer stuff you sign in a waiting room at a doctor's office? Or you're just trying to get through it and get the clipboard back to the nurse so you can get in and get your appointment? Um, I, I really wonder about that. I understand the concept, hey, we... We told you, we put it in writing, you signed it, um, but I don't know that many people read them. 
you know, and um, would the people, did the people that took this trip read whatever it is they, they signed? Or did they figure, well, you wouldn't be able to do it if it was dangerous, or they wouldn't have this business, or they wouldn't be able to charge this money? I don't know. 210-599-5555. All right, talking about the Spurs and the draft, and Jimmy is on KTSA and the Jack Riccardi Show. Jimmy, good afternoon. Hey, Jack, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm fine as frog's hair, split three ways, okay. man. Listen, okay. I, I have to tell you that Pops has so disenfranchised me with his political rhetoric. And the fact that the Spurs leadership has not controlled this guy, put a clamp on him, I will never, ever be a Spurs fan again, mm-hmm. ever. So that's a broken, broken relationship, no putting it back together. Done did. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Were Thanks were you a big fan back when they had their run? Uh I was there a lot. I spent a lot of money on the Spurs. Yeah. But not anymore. Negatory good buddy. Okay. Jimmy, thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it. Uh yeah, thank you to you and your frog hairs. Uh two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Sandy's on the radio. Hi, Sandy. Hi, Sandy. I mean hi. <laughs> That's I don't okay. call in often, but I wanted to call no, in. Oh, I'm glad you did. Popovich and the team. I, yeah. I feel that he's been rebuilding. That's what had to happen. Yeah. I don't know what Jimmy was talking about. I'm not familiar with what's been happening with his uh, um, management style or whatever with the franchise. But I did not appreciate his coming out politically. I think mm-hmm. he should stay off that track. But I'm a Spurs fan, will probably always be a Spurs fan, and uh, we've mm. been here since 76. Okay, so you go way back. Uh, do, do you feel like people will be willing to come back to their fandom if this oh, thing sure. starts to take oh, off? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're a Spurs fan. And we've See, I think, you're, I think you're right, Sandy, and I, I don't mean it to, to sound like I don't take seriously how offended people were, and you were, but... Uh, people love winners, and they love winning, and they love having things to celebrate. We're, people are the same all over, and and you know, it, it, winning heals a lot of winning. wounds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As soon as we start winning, they'll they'll start going. Yeah, I think you're right about that, Sandy. Thank you. Um, we're gonna get some more calls coming up. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five on five fifty and one zero seven one KTSA. Also, an update on the ride home with KTSA time saver traffic. And you may have somebody that in the past has kind of bailed you out when your AC went on the fritz. You knew somebody. You knew somebody, and they were able to come, and all that's good. But now, what? What if in the middle of this epic heat wave, you call that person and he's out of town? Or he's got six jobs ahead of you. And what is this, Thursday? I don't know. I might be able to get to you middle of next week. So that's why I tell people about Quarter Moon Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Because you can have one guy with one truck, or you can have a company with lots of HVAC technicians, lots of trucks, true 24-7 availability. You can get work done well at a good price, done right the first time, and not have to wait or hope that your phone call will even be returned. With Quarter Moon Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, you call 210-651-5899. And the only thing you have to decide is, do you need a plumber or an AC tech? And when do you want them? And the rest is taken care of. 210-651-5899. 
$99 Quarter Moon Plumbing, Heating, and AC, or go to QuarterMoonPlumbing.com or look for them on Facebook, Quarter Moon Plumbing, Heating, and AC on Facebook. It's license number M13229, TACLA, 0007-4345E. Hey, it's Trey Ware. I'll have the latest news, traffic, and weather first thing tomorrow morning starting at 5 o'clock on News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. 522, Jack Riccardi live right now on 550 and 1071 KTSA. We're here Monday through Friday from 4 to 7 doing whatever the heck this is that we're doing. But then you can also get this show as a on-demand podcast uh, so that you can listen any time of day or catch up with our shows on the weekend. Just go to KTSA.com, pull down the on-demand menu, or look for the Jack Riccardi Show anywhere you like to get your other favorite podcasts. 210-599-5555 is the number in here to be on the show. 210-599-5555. The Spurs have the first draft choice in the NBA draft tonight, which is just about three-quarters of an hour away, and they are absolutely going to take this phenomenal player from France. And is that the beginning of a new championship run? And if it is, does that kind of heal the way you have come to feel about the Spurs? Are you are you ready to get back into it again if you fell away from the team either because of uh, Greg Popovich or because of their uh, kind of irrelevance in the in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Ty is on the radio. Hi, Ty. Hi, Jack. I really enjoy your dreadful little show. And Thank I just you. want to say that I have basically cut off all sports as soon as everything started getting woke. But I have an 8-year-old son, and I think it's time that I can forgive and kind of look forward and I can parent my way out of, the stuff that Pop says, and at the same time, it really hurts. I feel like a lot of stuff was with sports has been stolen from me, the enjoyment mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. watching games with my dad and sitting around with the family, and, you know, that was stolen from us, you know, and I feel like people like me that have turned sports off, I think it's time to just kind of let things go for a minute and take a deep breath because it's great for the ecosystem of the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, there's bars, there's places people go to have fun, and it's going to bring the city back together. I think San Antonio is stronger than what Pop says, and, you know, the rhetoric is out there no matter what. Whatever sport you're going to watch, you got to just block it out. And I don't want my, my son to grow up without the enjoyment that I had. Yeah, well, that's really well said. You know? I, I agree with you. I, I, I think I found that when I, started, when I started seeing what you were seeing about the wokeness, that's when I really got in more and more into college sports, Ty, because I found that there was a lot less of it. If I watched college football or college basketball, this was just really yeah. about the game. And even when the coaches had a news conference, it was about the game, it was about the players. Uh, and, and so the joy of the sport is still, is still there. And I'm also in agreement with you. Look, if it makes you happy, do it. You don't have to deny yourself what you like yeah, exactly. because the and coach I'm a is gearhead, a jerk. So, yeah, I'm a gearhead. So sports have never been like – right where I, you know, went to do things and I was always at car shows, but at the same time, yeah. you know, I feel like it was something we could enjoy on the weekends and stuff. And I, yeah. I've always loved the Spurs. It just sucks that things took a turn for the worst when, you know, about two, three years ago, you know what I yeah. mean? So, I, but sure I, I love do. your show, Jack. Thank you Thank so you. much for what you do. Thank you, Ty. I appreciate it. That's very nice. And I hope you and your son enjoy those games. Let's hope Wemby is the start of something big. 210-599-5555. Cisco is on the Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Cisco. Hey, how's it going, man? Hey. 
Yeah, just wanted to say, uh, yeah, just like the last guy who called, you know, like, I love going to see Spurs games, you know, and then what cracked me up the most about Greg Popovich is during the press conferences, when they ask him questions, he gives them like this look like, are you stupid? <laughs> and gives them like a simple yes or no answer. Like, mm-hmm. That's probably one of the things I miss about it. But just like the last card, when he got woke, it's just he it looked bad for him on camera, man. Like he didn't know what he was talking about. I mean Well, and I think it was easy for man. them to divert him into those areas or subjects because let's face it, they weren't talking about the team. The team wasn't doing anything. It wasn't it wasn't a contender. It wasn't gonna make the playoffs. I, I think the way this got started, I mean I'm not saying this is what made him a, a lefty. But the reason his lefty politics got so much airplay is because who wanted to talk to him about the the team? I mean, there was nothing to talk about, right? <laughs> I mean, I think you're well. going to find I, mean, I think you're going to find with these guys that if they get and it's a big if I'm not saying this will absolutely happen. This may be we may be overhyping this poor kid, but but if if he lives up to the billing, and if this is the beginning of a rebuild. And if the Spurs are over 500 and in the playoff conversation, um, Pop will still be Pop, and you will hate his politics. But when he is, you know, asked about things after a game or before a game or interview, people are going to want to know about Wimby. They're not going to be asking him about Trump. And if he starts talking about Trump, they're going to be like, yeah, we want to know about Wimby. Uh, Excuse me, but we're asking about, you know, he, he, if this is a success, he needs to be the coach. He needs to be the guy that that everyone says. And by the way, even even the the the, the you know this this young man's family has said, "Look, we were thrilled that the Spurs got the first pick because we think San Antonio and the Spurs organization is exactly the right culture for a young player." We, I mean, this was literally the outcome he most wanted. A lot of guys, when they're going to be the number one draft choice. They're kind of rolling with whoever, you know, well, whoever gets it or whoever picks me, you know, and usually you're going to be chosen by a very marginal team or a, a, a bottom dweller team or a, and, and you figure, I think a lot of times you figure, not that I've ever been a highly touted college athlete, but I think a lot of times you probably just figure, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do my rookie year or my first couple of years, my rookie contract with Charlotte or, you know, some marginal team that never goes anywhere, but then but then I'm going to go get my bag, and I'm going to play for a Golden State. I'm going to play for a Boston. I'm going to play for a Denver. I, I think I think this kid and his family really feel like he's landing in exactly the right spot. Say what you want about Popovich, but he does have a track record of masterfully coaching uh, raw young talent. If that's what happens here, and if it starts to go the way people are hoping it will go, uh, there will be a lot less space for him to carry on about guns or Trump or whatever it is he seems to love to talk about. Kimberly is on KTSA. Hi, Kimberly. Hey, yeah, I'm, you know, uh, grew up here in San Antonio, big, big Spurs fan, like David Robinson. Ugh, I can't even say those times, those times are gone. I remember when we got Duncan too, pulling over to the side of the road with so much excitement about, mm-hmm. you know, what led to those five rings. My husband is born and raised from New Orleans. He's a big um, Saints fan and, you know, stayed with them with Breeze. The same kind of feeling as far as, you know, just the, the teams and the players. 
and he still follows the the Saints, even though now we've been transplanted to St. Louis, another big sports town. And one thing we both like is that the people there, I mean, they stay with the Cardinals no matter what, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're doing horrible right now. Um, Also big soccer place too. But both of us, it's like we're, it will, we will always, I will always be a Spurs fan. He will always mm-hmm. be a Saints fan, even if they never get another championship. But mm-hmm. I agree with two callers ago. Just, it's hard to watch sports now. And both of us kind of, we think back to, a, it just seemed a better time where you could really enjoy just, um, you know, athletes at the top of their game. And then mm-hmm. people like a Drew Brees or a David Robinson or Timmy Duncan um, and more of the Spurs, obviously, that just were good people, too. They mm-hmm. just happened to be awesome players, but good people, too. So I'll always be a Spurs fan. I just I'm back here visiting my mom. And so I don't follow too much. And I was just laughing because it's it's good to hear this discussion. But anyway, <laughs> well, welcome Thanks. back to San Antonio. Hope you have a good uh, visit here, Kimberly. It's good to hear from you and uh, safe travels back to St. Louis. Uh, Five thirty. We're going to update KTSA time saver traffic. We're going to continue the conversation. Grab a line two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five and vote in today's JR poll too. Will you consider voting for Will Hurd for president? Would you consider? Voting for him, the former San Antonio congressman, now a Republican candidate. Uh, and is this going to be Jesse Smollett 2.0? Have I got a story for you? And I'll share that coming up on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Get smart with your smart speaker. Watch that tone with me, Buster. Just tell your smart speaker to play KTSA. Now streaming on your Amazon Echo. All right, 537 on KTSA. We're knocking on the door of the weekend. We'll kick it off tomorrow with the dish. We'll talk restaurants in our 6 o'clock hour. Get ready to praise or zing your most recent San Antonio, South Texas restaurant experience tomorrow on the dish. Uh, So he's averaging 21.6 points a game in his uh, French professional uh, or European professional league on a team called the Metropolitans 92. 10.4 10.4 rebounds a game, two and a half assists per game, three blocks per game, and um, he will be the Spurs' number one draft choice. The third time in the franchise's history, it's had the number one draft choice. The other two worked out pretty well. So when Wembanyama uh, mania arrives, if you fell away from the Spurs, are you falling back in love again? Do you think that will happen? Uh, tell me what you think, how you feel about that, 210-599-5555. Of course, maybe you've never been a Spurs fan. Maybe you never stopped being a Spurs fan. But I know a lot of people had sort of a, a change in their attitude as the team fell out of contention. And then as Greg Popovich became polarizing, which he hadn't always been, or at least we didn't know, uh, 210-599-5555. I think that <clears throat> I think the other thing about this that's that you got to remember, and and I'm not any kind of a sports expert or commentator, but I, I will just say I, I I remember the excitement as the Spurs exploded on the scene as NBA title first time in 99 and then again in, what, 2003, I think. It, it was a different league. And there was, um, I, I think it's going to be harder 
to go from the basement to the attic, you know, <laughs> go from the basement to the roof uh, really fast, really quickly. Uh, so I think you should expect that this will take more time uh, than it did when Duncan arrived or, or, uh, or David Robinson. But we'll see, right? Uh, 210-599-5555. A lot of people saying, you know, it's not just the Spurs. It's professional sports. I'm not liking the attitude. I'm not liking the way the players uh, spout off. Players get very defensive when, when people bring up the fans' revulsion at their politics. You start getting all these speeches and, you know, um, oh, well, I, I, what, I'm not allowed to have an opinion? I'm not allowed to, what, am I not an American citizen? You know, and, and what I would just say is, we know that you're a human being. We know that you have a life away from the field or the court. We know. We know that you have opinions. We know that you vote. We know that you care about this or don't care about that. But what we are asking, and this is a contract, okay, this is a two-way street. We're, we're giving you money. You're giving us entertainment. What we're asking for is allow us to enjoy what you do without having to buy into what you believe. And this is not complicated. And it, it worked for decades. It's not like only in the last few years did professional athletes have opinions or an outlook on the social situation or what have you. I'm sure they always did. And always will. But there was an understanding, there was a... a I call it a contract. I don't mean that we literally signed a piece of paper, but we had an understanding, which is what a contract is. I'll give you my money or my viewership or what have you, and you will give me this product that's entertaining, that's a diversion from my day, that takes me out of my troubles, that lets me root for my city and my team and wear my colors and just give me the space to do that. And then be who you are and say what you want, and that's fine. They broke it by taking that space that we had agreed would be ours together and insisting that you had to, you had to be on board with the, the politics. You had to be on board with the cause. That was never the understanding. And it's no different than if you go to a concert it's no different. In anything where there's a, an exchange of money for entertainment or value, it has to be a two-way street. 210-599-5555. Colin Kaepernick, remember him? Colin Kaepernick is in the news. He did an interview with the New Republic. And um, he is talking about... Um, socialism and Marxism because he says black liberation isn't possible under capitalism. Colin Kaepernick, a millionaire, a guy that was paid millions of dollars to play football and even more millions of dollars to endorse shoes, says capitalism doesn't work. Really? Because it worked for you. It worked for you. Must be nice after you've made your bundle to announce that the system that made you rich is needs to be over. 
like I, I'm not a communist or a, or a Marxist, but I could at least respect a poor Marxist. You know, I, I got nothing. I can't make it. I don't agree, but okay. But boy, when you when you're sitting on a pile and you are announcing, it doesn't work. I can only laugh. I, 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 I wouldn't even know where to begin. I mean, it's just laughable. And um, it, it's over. You know, for Colin Kaepernick, it's over. You ran your mouth. You didn't work on your game. The league bent over backwards to bring you back. They, they did things they've never done for a player to get him a contract. Didn't get it. I know there are people who think that the owners blacklisted him. I personally don't know if that's true, but I do believe the owners were leery of the damage he would do to their brand. And no matter how woke some of these owners are, there is a limit, right? There's a, they're, they're not, they're not Anheuser-Busch. Okay, these are businessmen. They're going to make money. And when they sell that thing, that team, they want to sell it for way more than they paid for it, and they usually do. So I think that's why they avoided him. But he had every opportunity to get back into this thing and make capitalism work for him some more, like it worked for him before, and he blew it. I don't know the whole story. Maybe we never will. But yeah, now he says it doesn't work. Okay. 210-599-5555. David's on the radio. David, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. Hey, uh, regarding the Spurs, for years, myself and another fellow were season ticket holders. We split them, um, starting at the old arena and then moving over to Elmo Dome. And they were good tickets. Our feet were on the wooden floor. They were very good tickets. Um, and then instead of being, you know, $60 a game, they got the $500 a game. And you had to pay a fee to buy them. And then you had to pay a fee for this. And then, uh, you know, want to go get a beer. It's more money than, you know, a place you shouldn't be at night with a girl dancing on the table. So, you know, <laughs> they just got greedy, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, the economy of it definitely changed. The whole scale of it, uh, you know, went up. But, but you know, you don't have, you don't have to have those kinds of tickets or even have tickets to be a fan, right? I mean, they're fans that never go to games, but they live and breathe their team, right? I love. I certainly enjoy the Spurs, uh, and and I pull for them. But they, along with everybody else, has convinced me that this is nothing but business. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not, I own mm -hmm. my own company, mm -hmm. but it used to be more than a business, but you know, they were worth 200 million, 400 million and a billion. And the whole yeah. time you tell me you love San Antonio or whatever, they all say the same thing, but if you don't build us a new arena and y'all pay for it, we're going to yeah. leave. Yeah. And I sit here and I think, well, what about my friend that owns a pizza place? I, I will say though, David, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not. I'm not going to. But I will say this. I remember when we went through that whole thing with the arena, and they were, they yeah. were looking at other cities and what have you. Now that I've seen what's happened around the rest of the country, that wasn't even anywhere near the worst, you know, stick-up job I, I, I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, that was that was peanuts compared to what they're doing. What some franchises are doing in other cities and have done. It's just the it's the way of of professional sports and and by the way our politicians caved and so do the politicians in every city in this country. I I completely agree. I just I have a hard time 
taking hard-earned tax money, and that's all disposable income, discretionary income. At the end of the day, I got $100 in my pocket. I can go to yeah. the pizza place or right. go to the Spurs game. Right. The pizza guy doesn't get a break from the city. So if I right. go to the Spurs game, the pizza guy is paying a tax to ruin his own business. Yeah, yeah, well, that's a good point. If you make it, then you can't exist. That's the way my business works. If I don't make a profit and don't have all kinds of you know benefits, then I can't yeah. be in business. And, and David, I'm going to build. I'm going to build you an arena, David. You've convinced me. I'm building you an arena. Well, because they make lots of money. That's why cities build them, and owners don't. <laughs> yeah, David. Good to hear from you. Always good to have you on our show. Thank you. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Tell me what you think. By the way, if you don't get through, you can always uh, go over to the Jack Chat line and leave a comment there. It's two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty, and it kind of works like uh, a voice memo. You record your name your city or town, and your comment. We play those back, 210-599-5550. An update on KTSA Time Saver Traffic and the KTSA AccuWeather Forecast coming up here next. Today's JR poll at KTSA.com is powered by River City Oral Surgery. The news, weather, traffic, and sports for your day. Always on News Talk 550 KTSA. All day, every day. And FM 1071. KTSA AccuWeather says uh, rain chances tonight, although not as uh, great as last night. That was so good to get that rain. Uh, slighter chance of it tonight, 75 for low. Clearing out 99 for a high tomorrow. It's 95 at San Antonio Severe Weather Station, 550 and 1071 KTSA. All right, so uh, if Wemby lives up to expectations and the Spurs begin climbing back into contention, will you climb back into your love affair with the Spurs, or is that... Uh, relationship broken for good, if it ever was. A lot of people say it was because of uh, Popovich's politics. 210-599-5555. Steve's on the radio. Hi, Steve. Hey, Jack. How are you doing today? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm just driving on the way home here listening to the conversation about the Spurs. You know, one of the things I really have, and we go to the eras here of the championships, David Robinson... Tim Duncan were true leaders um, and people to respect outside of the basketball arena. When mm-hmm. you talk about sitting down with your your kids and watching the game, they were someone you could emulate, not only on the basketball court, but mm-hmm. they were good people and they'd given mm-hmm. back a lot to the community in San Antonio. And so, mm-hmm. you know, listening to Wimby here, it sounds like his family's behind him. It, they're just not seeing dollar sign but they're truly looking for a fit a community where he can fit in and i think that's a positive sign and a a certain sign to rebuilding not only you can't be done with one person but i think you look at robinson what a leader he was and the people around him um man i'm sure hoping for the best with him yeah you hope that um he gets that kind of you know guidance or has that kind of maybe even looks up to those kinds of players. I think a big part of it, really, when you're a young guy, a lot of what you're going to turn out to be in the pros depends on who you looked up to. You know, who, who, what poster did you have on your wall? And um, hopefully he will follow that path that you described of, of Robinson and Duncan because the other path, and I, I hate to say this, and I hope that this is not the case, but i got to bring it up. Somebody needs to bring this up. We see what is happening right now with John Morant of the Memphis Grizzlies. If you're an NBA f- fan, you know what I mean. And if you don't, I'll just say 
he is one of the brightest, most brilliant young players in basketball today, but he is on a path that is going to lead him right out of, uh, not only right out of basketball, but I, th- I think seriously he's, he's going to get himself killed if he doesn't get away from the people he's associating with and the behaviors he's doing and whatever cry for help this stuff is, these videos that he's making. If he doesn't find a better path, he will not be able to get through these next couple of years, either in the worst sense of those words or at least in the NBA. The NBA will say that's it. So you have those possibilities open to any young guy that's about to you know, hit the big time. And I think it's more true in the NBA than other sports, but to some degree it's true in the NFL and, and maybe lesser so in, the, uh, in Major League Baseball. But I think um, hopefully, let's hope and, and pray and cross our fingers that good influences, good people, people like David Robinson and Tim Duncan who are still around and still involved with the organization, hopefully he's, he's got some kind of relationship with them or is going to you know, hook up with them. Uh, I, you know, you never know, right? And then there's really two phases. So there's the rookie, you, you sign your rookie contract, and that's not, I mean, it's for you and me, it's huge money, but that's not the big payday. So getting into the league is sort of the first threshold. And then after you've been in and you're ready to make that big killing, you know, go for the big, the big money, um, that's the other sort of moment of testing in terms of, what Steve is saying, you know, what kind of a person you are, what your influences are, how grounded you are. And it, it seems to me like professional sports has not kept up. I know the teams have psychologists and so forth, but I don't think they've kept up with managing the psyches of these players. And maybe they're only interested in their psyches to the degree that, oh, I want my guy to, you know, play his best or keep his head in the game. These we're, we're we're throwing amounts of money and amounts of adulation at these people that no human being, I don't care if you're, you know, eighteen or thirty-eight, are, are suddenly ready for. In fact, it's a rare person to take all that in with poise and grace and balance. It'd be a very rare person. Most of us would go crazy. You just would. You know, I mean, look at the look what happens to people who win the lottery, and they're all different ages, and all kinds of terrible things, and they make all kinds of crazy decisions. And so, if if people in middle age can't handle winning a lottery, then you can only imagine what happens when an eighteen or twenty two or twenty five year old gets a big payday. Well, coming up, we'll catch up on all the news of the day, and it's been a busy day, a lot of stuff going on. Christian will run it down for us. The NBA draft is minutes away, and the Wemby era is about to begin with the Spurs. We'll bring you that, and lots more to talk about on the Jack Riccardi Show live on KTSA. And let's get you right back for more of the Jack Riccardi Show. So where are you on the weight thing? Uh, Because I know that uh, Wemby told uh, Robin Roberts that people shouldn't be worried uh, about his weight, that it's, uh, you know, he, he feels like he's height and weight proportionate. Mm. And he's listed as 230 pounds, which I am I'm having a hard time believing that. Well, I know I, he's 7'5 or 7'6, but yeah. 230, that's hard to believe. He's not Shaquille O'Neal, who came out with a pretty good height-to-weight ratio, if you'll recall. Mm-hmm. I think he was uh, mm-hmm. right at 7'2". Just a big, big man. Mm-hmm. Now, 
I know that NBA basketball players typically don't work out quite like NFL players do. So if there's a college kid coming out, you could say, well, they're going to put five, maybe 10 pounds of muscle on a given yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, I think this is going to impact his game from a from an execution standpoint more than it would say if he was overweight you might be looking at knee trouble at that yep. height well, look at zion williamson I mean, that's, that's the that's reason the he's missing perfect so many games. example that's a perfect yeah. example so i don't think wemby's going to have physical issues but there could be some technical things to work out until yeah. dude needs about 20 more pounds and that's just my yeah. opinion but he could afford a few big macs it says that uh, on the nba weight chart 230 would be the ideal weight for a 6-6 player. Yeah. And that's, he's 7-5. That's right. He should so, be... We don't want him to lose any height. No. We just, we just want him to gain weight. You don't want him to blow away in the wind. No. Um, but, I, you know, there's a lot of other stuff. I mean, you got to, as you said, it's conditioning, it's diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's technology. These guys have, you know, they're going to have access to trainers and doctors and technology that most of us... You know, it's not like he's going to have to be on Golo, but uh, no. I, I just I, I I think um I think a lot of these guys find that um, it takes a year in the NBA to really figure out, you know, what what you need to be in relation to the people you're playing with because he's going to play around a, a body type he's never been around before. Yeah, yeah, I I, th- I agree with that. I think you're looking at one to two. I think when you look at Victor Wembanyama four or five years from now, he's not going to look like he does now. Right. Right. So uh, none of us will. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so uh, we're waiting for the start of this, um, and we're gonna we'll tap into it when it uh, when it gets underway. But uh, the NBA draft is uh, about to get started. The Spurs have the first pick, followed by the Charlotte Hornets, the Portland Trailblazers, the Houston Rockets, and the Detroit Pistons. And the 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 order of uh, these choices was based on lottery on on drawing balls out of a basket because it's not strictly who had the worst record, but they put yeah. the, the teams with the worst, I guess X number of teams with the worst records, just to, mm-hmm. just to mix it up a little bit, they, they put them into a drawing, right? Or a yeah. lottery, right? Yeah, you get, a, the cert, you get a, a number of balls that's proportionate with your record. Yeah. Um, not a big lottery fan myself, being a Mavericks fan who just got burned repeatedly <laughs> in the early 90s. I just yeah. not down with the lottery. I know why it exists, though. I don't know if it's really fair though so am i right in thinking it's to make sure there isn't a direct correlation between tanking and getting the number one pick yeah that's it's like it's like a little insulation yeah Yeah. and then you get a year like year like this one where the worst team who was the worst team whether you like it or not they're not getting the best player in baseball and football the other sports you don't have this problem yeah so I will say um, I, I really hate to see it in football. Um, I, I think it really works against. I, I don't know what other I don't know what other system you could do, but it, it makes no sense that we take these cream of the crop college football players, and we put them on horrible teams. Mm-hmm. If they're a quarterback, they have no protection or no one to throw the ball to. Yeah, I mean it's just a dumb way to bring talent into the league, right? They they always got to wind up making it with the second team they play for. Well, you know, here in the US we 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 like to talk capitalism and free market and everything. You go over to Europe in sports over there, guys go where they go. Mm-hmm. You know, Real Madrid's got money, so they're going to be loaded with stars. Mm-hmm. So does Chelsea, mm-hmm. so does Liverpool. Well, mm-hmm. you know, in this country, we've gotten rather 
you know, constrictive with where guys are going. And yeah. I don't know that that's very free. I'm just tossing that out there. So, All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Maybe a new era is about to begin. Who knows? Maybe in a few years there'll be Wemby shirts for sale at the consignment stores. I don't know. I'm just saying anything is <laughs> anything could happen here. Uh, 612 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. As we uh, see things start rolling, we'll tap in and take a listen. And, Greg, if you can also monitor it for us, because I'm going to try to watch it here, but uh, jump in and, and bring it up if we need to bring it up so we don't miss the moment when the Spurs make that pick. We know they have it, of course, and when there's no mystery about who they're going to choose, but uh, we just want to bring you that moment when it actually uh, happens. Um, I was reading today about uh, high-speed rail in California, and it caught my attention because high-speed rail is something that, that you get a lot of people fantasizing about here in Texas and connecting the big cities, and that's what we got to have. We don't need to build more highways. We need to move people from San Antonio to Austin or Houston to San Antonio via high-speed rail. And they've got this project in California, Um that was supposed to connect L.A. to San Francisco and then other points. And the article says they approved a $9 billion bond in 2008. So that's 15 years ago. They have not built a single mile of track. The latest project update from the California High-Speed Rail Authority estimates that completing the entire system will now cost between $88 billion and 128 billion started at 9 billion <laughs> will now cost between 88 billion and 128 billion from the original estimate when they started the massive increase said to be due to inflation and increased construction costs is that does that sound right from 2008 till now does that sound right no track has been laid and it will take at least another hundred billion to complete. And you know what I was thinking, and, and and maybe it's not a fair comparison. And if you don't think it is, tell me. We're a country that used to build great things and big things, and we, our our country is full of public works projects that that are literally tourist attractions. They're so impressive. The Golden Gate Bridge or the Hoover Dam or what have you. And even your major municipal airports like DFW or O'Hare, these are, these are incredible feats of engineering and public works. And um, what, what has happened in this country that we can't build basically train tracks from L.A. to San Francisco, or 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 we, not only have we, are we not able to build it, but no one has any idea how long it will take, or how much it will cost. We're supposed to just go into this saying, well, whatever it takes is what it takes. That's not how these great things, these these landmark projects, got built. And I understand a lot of things have cost overruns. A lot of projects wind up costing more than they were estimated. That's almost the norm, right? So I'm not even I'm not even thinking just about the price. But we seem like we seem to have become incapable of things that we used to be very well known for. I mean, look, this country 
went around the world and helped other countries build their airports and their bridges and their highway systems and what have you. And, and it's like we can't do it here. And, and what, what do you think is the reason for that, or what are the reasons for that? Um, am I making a fair comparison to say, you know, we used to, we, we could throw up a skyscraper in two years or a dam in three years or what have you? What, 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 what has changed? Is, it, is, is the complexity due to more regulation, like building a railroad back then was, well, just build it <laughs> and, and then just use it. And now maybe there's multiple agencies and clearances. And is it that? Is it, is it government? Is it unions? Is it the cost of labor? Is it the, the nature of working people? Like, you know, obviously, if we're going to be honest about our history, a lot of stuff was built on the back of, like, imported Chinese labor or uh, immigrant labor that w- where guys were paid next to nothing. And uh, whether they were Italian or German or Irish, they built this stuff. They built these things that now make this country great. And so maybe it's that you, you can't exploit workers. And I'm not saying we should go back to exploiting workers. Of course, we, we shouldn't. But I'm just trying to understand how we have become a country that looks at what, what should be a fairly straightforward thing connecting two major cities. Like, we just don't know when we'll ever do it. We have no idea how long it'll take. We have no idea how much it'll cost. I mean, when did that happen? 210 599 and keeping an eye on the NBA draft and a look at KTSA Time Saver Traffic right here. Hey, it's Trey Ware. I've got the latest on what you need to know tomorrow morning starting at 5 on News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Whenever you talk about high-speed rail or light rail or uh, even like streetcars in San Antonio, there's a lot of different vectors you can come at, right? You can say, well, do we need that uh, and uh, stuff like that. I, you've heard me express my concerns about I think there is a concerted effort in a lot of government and a lot of governments around the world to get people out of cars because cars are a freedom machine. And when a population is more dependent on mass transit, it's more dependent on its government. Just goes without saying, right? It's obvious. But when I look at this high-speed rail project in California, I, I have a different question. Whether you're for it or against it, I have a lot of people I know in California that, that were against it from the start and always thought it would be a, a Donnybrook. But my question is, okay, even if you didn't support doing it, why can't they do it? I mean, why can they not? Why can they not do this? Why are they completely incapable of of putting a price tag on it, of putting a finish date on it? They've had 15 years. They got the bonds passed. They haven't built an inch of track. Zero. What what, what is that about? What what, what is go, what are we doing? That's 15 years. I mean, when I'm getting ready to do a project around the house. I might not do anything for the first 20 minutes, but then, you know, I don't spend 15 years getting ready. 210-599-5555. Michael is on KTSA. Hi, Michael. I think we lost Michael. Um, and, and, and are we becoming, is everything becoming too, like, congested with, I don't know, bureaucracy, regulation, there's too many agencies that have to sign off. Because think about it now. You know, now you're talking about 
You've got all these different levels of government, and within the federal government, there's multiple agencies in the state and the local, and then we've got the we got to get the approval of this, and we got to do an impact study on that. Now, when we were building dams and railroads and the Empire State Building and all that stuff, I don't think there was any of that. I think the only uh, controlling factor was can you do it? You know, will it will it hold up? I mean. When I was a kid in Boston, they were building the John Hancock Tower. And Boston today doesn't look anything like it did when I was a kid. When I was a kid, there were only two skyscrapers, and it was a very uh, kind of flat-looking city. And they built this, uh, this was in like the early 70s, I think. They built this 60-foot tower on a very small piece of land in a very historic, congested part of downtown Boston. It was the John Hancock Company, the insurance company, and they they wanted a building that would not only be their you know their signature, but they wanted to make something that would be the you know kind of the dominant feature of the skyline, like the Tower of the Americas is for us, or you know the Freedom Tower is in New York, and so they're putting this tower up, and um, it's all glass. And it's this blue kind of mirrored, reflective glass, like sunglasses. And the idea of it was, it's going to be a mirror, it's going to be reflective, so it doesn't overwhelm the historic architecture around it. You know, this old church, this old building, the buildings around it. We want, we want to reflect the city, not obscure the city. It was a brilliant idea. It was a brilliant design, the architectural plan won international awards but it took them years to get it right because the building flexed in the wind and they were building it on basically mud and then the panels the glass panels which were huge and weighed hundreds of pounds were popping out and falling into the street and i remember they would close the streets around this thing when the wind blew i mean it took years to get it right but when i say years i mean maybe 10 or 8 and now it's a show place, and it's you know it's prominent in the skyline. Now there's a lot of skyscrapers, but uh, it still shows up in every view, every postcard uh, of the city. And every city has things like that that are the signature architectural achievement or public works achievement of that city. Maybe in some cities it's a bridge or it's a you know a causeway or it's a building. We're, we're, we seem to be getting further and further away from the people that get it done and we're becoming the people that never get it done. And I don't know, is it just California? I don't know if it is. I'm not sure that this is just a California thing. But they've had a high-speed high rail project funded for 15 years and they haven't built a mile of track. And they don't know when they will ever finish it. By the way, when you build things like this, part of how you build them is being able to project what the traffic will be, what the how much will people use it, how many people will, will ride it or use it. Well, how can you know if you don't know when you'll finish it? Like, you could know, like, over the next 10 years, we're going to have this population, and we've done a survey, and here's how many people would probably get on the train. But if you're talking about an open-ended thing, right, how do I measure capacity? How do I know? I mean, maybe in X number of years, Elon Musk will have us just you know, teleporting ourselves from one place to another. So I think that's weird, and I, I wonder what's happened to us, and I, I wonder if it's government or unions or 
or us or, or all of the above. There's a uh, story coming out of California that's going to be interesting. Um, I wonder if this is going to become a big story. It's kind of a Jesse Smollett story. This guy named Scott Rowan uh, lives in San Diego, and he claims that the other night when he was walking home, he was attacked by guys that were yelling gay slurs. He's a gay man. And he heard people behind him, and he heard some yelling, and um, he says a liquid was thrown at him, and he was lit on fire. And he does, in fact, have burns on his back and side. He's all bandaged up. He says it was a hate crime, and uh, it was targeting the LGBT community. He filed a police report and got a lot of attention. And this would be a terrible thing if it's true. It's a horrible thing to do to somebody. But then the police investigated it. San Diego police say that around the same time that he claims he was being attacked, they were getting calls about a man attacking a pregnant woman in pretty much the same place. And um, officers were dispatched. The suspect had already fled. And then they get the call from this guy saying he'd been set on fire. But it turns out Rowan is the guy who attacked the pregnant woman. And I don't know how she lit him on fire or caused him to catch fire, but apparently she did. Again, that we're not, we're not clear on that, and the investigation is still ongoing. But now the police are saying they don't believe it was a hate crime and they don't believe there's a danger to the wider a community. I don't know why a man would be attacking a pregnant woman in the street. I don't know how a woman would set a man on fire. Uh, All of this is kind of weird. But it seems clear he was not set on fire by a pair of gay bashers roaming the streets of San Diego with a container of flammable liquid that they were carrying around. He has lawyered up and has stopped doing interviews and responding to questions, which is probably the smartest thing Scott Rowan has done to this point. Is it not amazing to you how many of these stories we have, how much this is happening? It's just incredible when you think about it. Um, Now, the good news is, you know, Jesse Smollett was exposed, and this guy may have been exposed. So I'm I'm not saying, I'm not ignoring that. I mean, good. (laughs) But I continue to be amazed by how many people try to pull this off. And I guess one thing it shows us is that there is great value in claiming a hate crime. You know, that's the, that, that is still the golden ticket to publicity and attention. And, um, we've done that. We've made that. We've created that category. Uh, because of the term and the concept of hate crime. And in this case, it may even be worse than Jesse Smollett in that it's possible this guy was actually an attacker, not an attackee. But again, it's all open. We'll see what happens. Remember the name, Scott Rowan, maybe the Jesse Smollett 2.0. We're going to update KTSA Time Saver Traffic. We're keeping an eye on the NBA draft where uh, in minutes the Spurs will have the first pick and pick Victor Wembanyama of the, uh, of the uh, French team to be the next 
big man for the Spurs and maybe the beginning of a Spurs renaissance. We'll talk about that. Before we get to KTSA Time Saver Traffic, if you've uh, considered remodeling but you've hesitated because you've heard remodeling horror stories, and everybody has them, right? The project went over budget, it went over time, we couldn't get back into our kitchen, things didn't work when we did get back in. I'll just tell you, I've used Kitchen Design by Giovanni four different times over many years. And the reason I've gone back to them, and the reason so many of their customers are repeat customers, is because it's a great experience. I mean, you wouldn't go back to a company that didn't do you right. And so just the fact that there's that repeat business, that there's that loyalty, kind of tells you a lot right you know, right there. Kitchen and bathroom remodels is all they do. It's not cookie cutter stuff. It's not that ladies in the blue shirts that you see all those ads for. This is craftsmen. This is designer working with you, working it out with you, creating a unique project for your home, for your needs, and then people coming in and doing all the work. And of course, you're making all the selections of cabinets and hardware and lighting and flooring with your design team at Kitchen Design by Giovanni. Call 210-460-0113, now and 550-1071 KTSA. This half hour we'll have the results on the JR poll question powered by River City Oral Surgery. Would you vote for Will Hurd for president? The former San Antonio congressman has thrown his hat in the ring, and uh, we're going to talk about that. Um, but first, we're going to check the Jack Chat line. This is the number we give you that you can use when you're not able to call into the show live or you don't have time to call in. Maybe you're at work during our show. Maybe you're listening to the podcast and obviously not hearing us live. You want to sound off on what we're talking about. That number, the Jack Chat number, 210-599-5550. Let's see what's on there right now. Hey, Jack, long-time listener. I just wanted to compliment your show on... Uh... Finally, I'm really surprised you aired the Brett here parts of the Brett like your listeners to consider that and hear the man for who he really is. You know, I'm a right in the middle kind of guy. I like to listen to all points of view. You know, you get kinda of tired of just democratic bashing all the time, so we change the station. But thank you for presenting as best you can, you know, all points of view and that gives us a choice of uh, be able to make up our own minds. But great program. Thanks again. He kind of broke up a little bit there, but I think he was referring, Gil was, to the, uh, we played some of the interview over two days with uh, Brett Baer on Fox News and uh, former President uh, Trump. That's what he's referring to. All right, let's check another one on the Jack Chat line. Yeah, this is Richard from San Antonio. I just want to say I think it's about time that Joe Biden should step down. Uh, Man, I would be ashamed of myself if I was him and his family. That's all. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I mean, they should, if they've done the if they've done half the things we think they've done, of course they should be ashamed. Um, I, I always wonder when people say Joe Biden should step down. Are we saying he should step down because uh, they're crooked, or are we saying he should step down because the guy is not there? He's not. Yeah, I, I had an interesting um, uh, email uh, from a listener who was asking. His name's Rudy, and he was asking, you know, do we even know like? who is signing for President Biden? Because it doesn't seem like he can walk, he can't stand up, he can't remember where he is, he reaches for invisible hands to shake, he uh, m- says stuff. And, we, and I mean, I, I, I don't like to keep playing it. It's not fun for me to keep playing these, these whacked out 
Joe Biden moments because this is our country. This is the the way our country is is coming across to the rest of the world. Every time we play one of those clips, I don't know what you think, but I'm thinking, how are they seeing this in places like Beijing? And is it emboldening people to do horrible things because we don't look like we have any we we have our act together? Um, so I mean, there's there's that element, and then there's the stuff that's coming out with with the family and the shakedowns and the money, and yeah, I don't uh, I don't I don't even know where you begin. This is where the wisdom of our founding fathers hopefully will prevail. It, it, this is where we are supposed to correct with our votes what we have put in. And hopefully that still works, and hopefully uh, enough people vote, and the margin is sufficient to overcome cheating and vote manufacturing and distorting. But I mean, we're, we are the we are the people we're waiting for when it comes to this administration and these politicians. We're not we're not going to be rescued by somebody else. Okay, we're going to have to be the ones that 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 basically undo what we've done if we did it. Thank you to everybody that call the Jack Chat line. You can do it anytime, 210-599-5550. Um, this was amazing to me. I want to play this for you. They were um, taking testimony uh, the other day about the NCAA and the rules about uh, men participating in women's sports. And Senator Ted Cruz was talking with the president of the Human Rights Campaign. You've heard me mention them. This is the leading LGBT activist or advocacy group in the country, very big organization. Kelly Robinson's the president of the of the HRC. So here is Ted Cruz trying to get her to answer what seems like a very simple question. Cut number one. Ms. Robinson, do you agree with Ms. Gaines that there's a difference between women and men? If the question is about trans women... I'm just asking, is there a difference between women and men? I mean, what I can say here is that the NCAA has rules in place. They've had rules in place for the last decade, and when this competition okay, okay, happened, I'm, I'm try the again. rules were clear. Do you believe there's a difference between women and men? It, it's a yes-no question. It, is, it, do you believe there's a difference? Oh, I think that we're talking about this case with the NCAA. No, I'm asking a question. Do you believe there's a difference between women and men? Most I, people could answer this very simply. I, I'm curious if you're willing to do so. Oh, absolutely. I'm just putting it into the context of the conversation that we're having. I think that there are definitions related to sex. So I'm trying to get a yes or no. I'm not trying to get get a speech. Is there a difference between women and men? I think that there are definitions for biological sex. So you're not answering that. Let me ask you this question then. Why do women's sports exist? If you can't define a difference between women and men, why not abolish women's sports and just tell little girls to swim with little boys and see who wins? Oh, I'm simply saying that um, that sex is My different question, than gender. Why and I do, do believe why that women's, women's sports, sports have a great exist? value? I mean, Senator, I'll M- tell you M- right Ms. now. Ms. Robinson, please answer the question I'm asking you. Absolutely. Why do women's sports exist? I think that there are so many positive benefits to sports. But I mean, why have a separate category for women? If, if, you, if there's no difference between women and men, why to have women's sports? I'm saying that there's a difference between sex and gender and that the NCAA has rules in place, which they have for the so last Mr. decade. Mr. Chairman, I, I would that like to enter in the record an, an article from Duke, Duke okay, Law. Okay, so the, he doesn't get an answer. She's obviously a smart person. She's articulate. Um, how many times have you heard something like this where people pretend, I mean, uh, you know, Justice Brown did this, or excuse me, Justice Jackson did this, what what are we doing here? I mean, if you want to advocate for trans people, just just do that. 
And if you're the human rights campaign, you're supposed to be advocating for L G B anti. Well, the L are women who are attracted to other women. The G are men and women. What happened to them? Why are we pretending we do not know the answer to the question, which is, yes, Senator, of course there are differences between men and women. Men on average are this, women on average are that. There's biological differences. There's chromosomal differences. I was reading a story about a uh, professor of biology and physiology at St. Philip's who says he was fired because his students took offense, a few of them, not all of them, at his teaching the biology of male and female. He says, I was just teaching science. And there were complaints. And he says that the university fired him, or the college, I should say, fired him for violating the faculty code of professional ethics. Which sounds, if you took that out of context, that would sound like a professor that did something really dirty, right? Like had a relationship with a student or took a bribe or accepted money for grades or, you know, it just sounds very, um, very shady. How can you teach biology in the absence of or without ever addressing um, male and female? Even if you're teaching zoology, you're going to have to deal with that. And I don't even know how science is going to work. I mean, are people allowed to do research projects centered on these realities if someone involved is offended or doesn't believe you can define sex? Can we not do the, can we not do the research? Can we not have the project? Can we not have the experiment? See, it isn't just going to be about how we teach science. It's going to be about how we do science, if you will. And if people want to have the opinion that sex is a spectrum, right? I mean, you can have any opinion you want. You can have the opinion that the earth is flat. You're entitled to feel that way but we're not all going to go along with you and go, oh, yes, it is, of course, yeah. So that's part of the story. And then the other part of the story is what kind of person goes to college and becomes upset at what they're learning? You know, you, 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 you signed up for a biology class. The prof is teaching biology. Oh, I can't. What is going on? I can't handle this. You know, I mean, it, 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 this, this, there's a lot of problems here. It's not just what the university allegedly did to him, but what kind of people are going to college unable to handle the instruction? What is going on, right? What's happening to us? Anyway, 
That's an open-ended question. We're going to get the results on the JR poll. We're going to see how you voted tonight on our question about Will Hurd. One more check of KTSA Time Saver Traffic. And, yeah, we got a break in the heat today. It's by no means, uh, you know, cool and comfortable, but it's a lot less oppressive today, I guess because, right, because of that rain we had last night. But you know the heat will come back, and you know we have a long summer ahead of us, and you know that on a hot day, on a 90 or 100-degree day, your attic is the hot spot. A typical Texas attic will be... 30, 40, 50 degrees hotter than the weather outside. That hot air bubble is making your home hotter. It's making your AC work harder. It's shortening the lifespan of your AC unit. It's driving up your utility bills. What can you do about it? You can call Texas Pro Insulators, 210-263-1103. E-Shield insulation from Texas Pro Insulators lowers your attic temperature. And when you lower that attic temperature, you win the battle. Your AC doesn't work as hard. It lasts longer. Your utility bill goes down. Your home becomes more comfortable. You have to win the battle in the attic. Texas Pro Insulators will turn the tide and help you win that battle. Call 210-263-1103 or go to texasproinsulators.com. When you talk to Nick Anderson over there, make sure you tell him you heard about it from KTSA and you'll get a free solar attic fan, a $2,000 value with your purchase of eShield from Texas Pro Insulators. That's TexasProInsulators.com. Find what you're looking for. Local news coverage, local traffic. It's all waiting here. Locally oriented, which I like. On News Talk 550 KTSA. Local radio that's important to me. And FM 1071. All right, we have the dish tomorrow coming up in our 6 o'clock hour to kick off the weekend. And right here, the results on the JR poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery. It was unanimous. Uh, 100% said no. They would not uh, consider voting for Will Hurd for president. He he, he started out good uh, here in, in South Texas. Um, I think people were rightly uh, pleased or impressed with his background. Um, I, I, I feel like he went off the rails with Trump. I, it's like Trump broke him. Uh, basically, we would have him on the show from time to time, and I, you could hear the change. Um, and and I, and I get I get how polarizing Donald Trump is, and and is you know intends to be. Obviously, he's it's not a it's not a bug; it's a feature. But uh, it, you believe what you believe, right? You you hold these truths to be self evident, whatever they are, and then you don't let your difference, your disagreement with a guy throw you this badly. So anybody who has been broken by Trump, I, I tend to think maybe didn't have a firm grip on their principles to begin with. Your, your beliefs, if you're a grown-ass person, pardon my language, should be um, unaffected by the the flag-bearer of your party or the, the you know how you feel about him or the way he presents himself or the way he talks. And um, when I look at these Republicans like Will Hurd, you know, issue by issue, there's really not much difference. But Trump, Trump, Trump. I, I guess I would just say, are are you are you okay with Biden then? Well, no, but I got to talk about him first. No, you don't. You know, DeSantis is right when he says all of us are running against Joe Biden. Speaking of the other Republican candidates, we're all running against Joe Biden. That's the truth. And really, to put an even finer point on it, you're not running against Joe Biden. You're running against this modern 
leftist extreme ideology that borders on Marxism, that borders on totalitarianism. Run against that. I want to hear more about that. I don't want to hear about Trump. I, I, I get Trump. I've, I've figured out where I am on that. I, I've got him sorted out. Don't need anybody else to tell me how awful he is. These Republicans, come on, right? And then we have this professor. We'll talk more about this tomorrow. And it's funny, I was thinking about this other story. This professor got fired at St. Philip's for teaching biology, and I read in the Wall Street Journal a day or two ago uh, a lot of college graduates are finding that they are good at what they studied, but they need help in, like, basics of life. People are getting out of school, and they don't know, like, how to make small talk at a party <laughs> or, or do a job interview. And it's fascinating what they're saying is the reason for that or are the reasons for that. We'll get into that tomorrow, too. All the breaking news, we get started here live at 4. Look for the podcast at KTSA.com.